I did something rather foolish this morning. Foolish? That's not like you. Well, I felt it was foolish. I did okay. feel it was foolish. I went, to, I went to a lovely lunch yesterday. That wasn't the foolish yeah. thing. It was the British Journalist Tennis Association lunch at Wimbledon. Yes. And they hand out the awards. And it was lovely to see a lot of people I haven't seen in a long, long time. So on my allocated table, it was a lovely table, uh, place names, off you went. I was next to a lovely lady called Ingrid Lofdal Benzer, former Swedish number one back in 1973. Okay, cool. She was Swedish number one. Uh, Lovely lady, lovely Mm. lady, chatting away. Um, She speaks nine languages. So she was giving me a little bit of each of the language. I mean, very at this point, I was just like, oh, crikey. We were chatting away and she was talking about her Swedish summer house. And she basically just jumps in the water when it's about minus four. A bit like a plunge pool experience. Yeah, crazy We all know how horrible that is. Crazy people. Mm -hmm. And she said, what you should do in the morning in your shower, at the end of your shower, turn it to freezing and stay in. I said, I can't. I've done plunge pools. I hate it. I can't do it. She said, and I told her I went running. She said, I want you to do it after your run. And she said, when you do it, turn it to cold and spell my name. Ingrid, as it turns out, is quite a long name. <laughs> so I said, I'll do it. I promise you I'll do it. So I did it this morning. Got back from my run oh. in the shower. Shower was nice. And I know people talk about how good it is and the benefits and people swim in freezing seas and lakes and rivers. I turned the shower down to cold and I, I tried to spell out Ingrid and I didn't quite make it. <laughs> <laughs> I got to G. Right. <laughs> you didn't quite get past the the shock factor. No, and I was kind of sort of yelping as I sort of literally yelled out the letters out loud. And I thought I can't make it. Maybe my challenge is now to get to spelling Ingrid. But I promised her I'd do it, and I did it. And I'm I'm still what half an hour later. I'm still cold, but it's a good thing to do, right? Yeah, well, it's supposed to be incredible for you. Do <laughs> you know, it's genuinely one of the things that I would love to be into, cold water swimming, because I mm-hmm. live right near a Lido, which is an outdoor unheated pool. It's like an oh. Olymp- it's Olympic-sized pool, but it's not heated. It's probably like Horrible. four or five Horrible. degrees at the moment. Ooh. And, you know, <laughs> I got used to ice baths and things as a player, and it, be- and it does, it just becomes fine. Um but I know that they're so, so good for you. And I, I look at people whenever I'm, if I'm out walking the dog or going for a run and I see them coming out and they're big. I just think, oh, it just looks so invigorating. I think I could so be part of that scene. I'm, I know I would love it, but I can't get over. As you say, I can't get past the G. <laughs> if you can get to the D, then you'll, you'll be all right. But like, I can't get past the G. So I am, yeah. <laughs> I would love still... to be able to do it, but I just, I can't bring myself. I, I, do you know what? I have been in the Lido a few times, but only in the summer when it's 15 degrees or something reasonable. It's still cold though. <laughs> it's, it's still not easy, but um, yeah, I, it, it, it appeals to me, but I'm not sure whether I'm just romanticizing it. And actually it's just pretty awful. I mean, I, I don't even do cold showers. I'm saying pretty, I, I've done the plunge pool in the past when you've, you've psyched yourself up. You leap in, but you basically, actually, I I said to Ingrid, how long do you stay in the water for? And she said, do you know yellow ducks, yellow rubber ducks? And I said, yes. She said, imagine pressing a yellow duck, rubber duck under the water and then it pops out again. That's all you need. Like literally Mm. pop in, pop out. And if you're in a plunge pool, you do. You jump in and I I spring out, I fly out. 
But in the shower, I was having to say, I'm still tingling all over. I know people say it's a really good feeling and everything, but I just, I just. But isn't the point that you then uh, really warm up afterwards? Like, I don't understand why you do it at the end of your shower. Wouldn't you do it first and then go hot? No, because I think, isn't it the cold? Someone's going to correct us on this. Someone's listening with their head in their hands as we try and figure this out. Isn't it the fact that it kickstarts your metabolism, wakes you up, so you do it at the end? Because if you did it at the beginning to kickstart, right. and then you warmed everything up, surely that's counterproductive. I might, okay, I'm, I'm again, sold. I'm in. I'm again, I'm, again I'm, this is loose facts. I've taken on your mantle of loose facts because I might have. So I'm gonna, it's going to be my challenge. <laughs> I've got to the G. It's different because it's all right talking. It's all right going with loose facts about something you know nothing about. But I do loose facts on tennis. That's true, to actually. Something about it. <laughs> okay, uh, so okay. I, right. I'm gonna, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the challenge because I've been wanting to do it for so long. So I'm, I'm going to do a cold shower every day. So at the end, so you, so you start warm, and then just at the end when everything's ready, just swing it down to cold. And spell out, well, let, let's stick with Ingrid as we're on the, let's spell out Ingrid. But you can't, okay. not quickly, you've got to really <laughs> pronounce the letters as you yell them. <laughs> okay, so that's our, that's our tennis. Are you sure she didn't mean you've got to do her surname as well? No, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, maiden name there for plus 20 minutes. married name. <laughs> oh, dearie me. So, okay, that's our, that's our tennis challenge. The other thing I realised yesterday being at the lunch is that Tennis never stops, does it? In terms of no, in every in every other sport, there's a time when you're not talking about it, nothing happens, it goes quiet. But tennis, in just the amount of stories, the amount of things that continue to go on in tennis, it's it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it does just have a habit. You know, I spoke to um, I spoke to a, a journalist. Actually, I think it was our good friend um, Russell Fuller. I will quote him. Um, he's a BBC tennis correspondent. I will quote him, yes. um, even though it was a private conversation, but I'm pretty confident he'd be happy with this to be out there. But he just said, <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing controversial. Uh, but he, we, we were talking about it, you know, sort of the end of the year of Federer, Djokovic. And he just said, look, you know, tennis just has a habit of bringing up new stories, news stories so frequently. And if if we think, um, you know, particularly... Um, well, we both do work for the for the BBC, and you know we just sort of go up. And we think, oh, we're just going to cover the tournament, and that's fine, and we're going to do it on Five Live. And then all of a sudden, something happens, like Djokovic getting defaulted, Osaka refusing to do press, Emma Raducanu, and suddenly we're all over everything. Right? You need they want TV interviews. I mean, it's just relentless how much because there's so many different arms to the BBC. Um, and then suddenly just everybody's talking about tennis. I mean, the amount of times that's happened just in the past couple of years, it's absolutely extraordinary, isn't it? It just it just does. Every time you think there's a bit of a lull, something comes along. And each time you think, well, maybe it get to a stage when those big names aren't with us anymore in terms of playing tennis, it will quieten down. But then you get another wave and another raft. And at the moment, we're in that sort of what's going to happen to these greats. So Serena Williams, on medical advice, is not going to the Australian Open. So there's there's a conversation for you. Is is that it now for Serena Williams? And if it is, it's been more than a phenomenal career. But is that it for Serena Williams? Novak Djokovic is on the list for the ATP Cup with Serbia. But is he going to go? Because there is still a train of thoughts. And it was our friend and colleague Ben Rothenberg on Twitter saying, OK, guys, yeah, he's there for Serbia, but he could still pull out and Serbia get to stay in the ATP Cup. So that could, you know, that could still happen. Stan Wawrinka hearing that he's not going to come back until at least 
March due to everything that's going on with his his rehab and coming back. And we've known for a bit now that Roger Federer is not going to be back anytime soon. And it's also been confirmed that Naomi Osaka and Rafa Nadal will be in Australia. So there's, I mean, we could pick one of those storylines and probably do the whole podcast on it. Yeah, uh, I know it's, um, well, Australia is taking shape. There are so yep. many question marks over how it's going to to pan out. Uh, Andrescu as well out of Australia um, because she's had a bit of a difficult time and she needs to just take a bit more time to, to get ready. Uh, so I imagine she'll be back uh, in March-ish, hopefully, for, for Indian Wells. But that's, uh, again, you're pretty disappointing. You know, recent Grand Slam champion. Um but yeah, I mean, it's a shame for Serena. I don't think it'll be the last we see of her. I think we'll see her come back, but um, we'll uh, we'll see her in 2022. I'm 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 so certain of that. Um, beyond that, it's looking it's looking a bit of a stretch, isn't it? Really, I mean, it feels like she's sort of in similar territory to, to Roger Federer. They're the same age, and and that's you. It just each each sort of gap between injuries was just getting longer and longer. It just is harder to come back because the compound time off that you've had, um, it's just felt like that for, for Serena and for Federer. And it's got to the point now where it's just been such a long time. I mean, Federer's counted himself out for a, a long time now, uh, longer than Serena, but um, still it, 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 yeah, we're, we're hoping, aren't we? And I think it's, uh, yeah, no, absolutely hoping that, she comes back but the thing that struck me and again not coming from a professional elite athlete background is it's having that desire to go through the pre-season because I think from a lay person's point of view we think okay you put in the work and you come back but the amount of players you hear and even Roger Federer said this in his statement at the moment I feel like I can put myself through this that's the rehab and and I've spoken to many footballers in the past and and they would say normally at a football training ground, the treatment room will have windows that look out over the training pitches. And the amount of time the players will say there is nothing worse than you're on the treatment table and you're looking out at your colleagues who are even if it's minus three and it's snowing or they're having to do sprints rather than playing with the ball. They said it's so depressing. You don't want to be that person. You don't want to be in there. And can you put yourself through it? And, and I guess if we're talking about Roger Federer, Serena Williams, Stan Wawrinka, you know, I guess, and you'll know more in terms of coming back from any sort of injury, it's having the mindset to put yourself through that time away from the court to get back on court. Well, I never really had any injuries, so I I didn't have anything significant. What was the longest, what was the longest time you were out then? Uh, a couple of months. Was that it? Yeah. Wow. It's good. Yeah, no, just a bit of tendonitis in the wrist, and that was my own fault because I changed string and didn't didn't think about it I was pretty young it's just a mistake that you sort of make um yeah. but yeah I mean yeah rehab is is tough it's it's really really tough it's very frustrating um at least you have a focus but it, it's just it's all of it's boring it's just it's boring because a lot of it's just stretching and all these teeny tiny exercises none of it's interesting None, you know it, it's just it's so um it's so frustrating for them um, but yeah, if they're in the mi- mi- mindset and they can they can do it again, then great. Because it takes an, a huge amount of of effort um, and and focus really to to get yourself back. Um, and also, they don't know they don't know if they can come back. I think Federer has sort of made that quite clear. He's like, well, I definitely can't be back anytime soon, and I don't know if I can. I'll try. Um, and that's quite hard as well. It's not like it's a guarantee when you're younger. 
it's a bit more of a guarantee as in like you know you will be yeah. back um you know there, there have been very there have been a couple of examples where the injuries have been incredibly serious to very young players somebody like a Laura Robson it's been very very difficult for her and it's pretty much ended her career uh Anna Konyu, I know that she was nominated for comeback of the year but I mean that was a significant injury to be out of one of the best teenage players we'd had in a long long time um and you know so there are a few where it really really impacts the career um whereas for others it's just okay you you, you will come back at some point it's just how long is it going to take but for these guys you know they don't even know oh the award winners are in speaking of Anna Connu they've been oh yeah she didn't win did handed she? out she didn't win and I have to say the way they worked out was pretty fair and everybody that should have got a nod or an award got one so player mm-hmm. of the year was ash barty yes Yay. fair enough <laughs> doubles team was kretikova and siniakova yeah it's fair enough yeah uh yeah most improved player was most improved player kretikova yep um so she got a nice big award newcomer was uh emma yeah I'm just trying Sports. to remember how the categories yeah. work out because there was one which was top fifty, and one which was top hundred or something. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, th- these are kind of the sort of the, the sort of the headline awards and and comeback. I think everyone delighted with the comeback was it was you know Yay. it's a heart and head job and yeah the heart way. Carla Suarez Navarro was amazing yeah. to to battle <sighs> through cancer to get the all clear and to be able to come back and leave on her terms was mm. fantastic. So I think that was like the you yeah, mentioned brilliant. Bianca Andreescu. Yeah, no. So I think they were the awards. You mentioned Bianca Andreescu. I wanted to talk about Andreescu. I love watching Andreescu when she's fit. Great. Um, I love the attitude, her attitude. I think she's amazing for the tour. And as you said, she said she's taking time away because 2021, the years are blending into each other, was really tougher. And she talked about having time to reflect, train and also work for some good causes that she's working with at the moment and she also said that she needs to give herself extra time to to reset mentally and I'm not necessarily thinking it, it, it's a brave thing for her to miss the Australian Open because she'll come back she'll be fine she's she's won the US Open she's an established player but I was thinking that a few years ago those statements wouldn't be released would they a few years ago you wouldn't be seeing statements from players saying I don't know, mentally I need time to reset. And this came off the back of, you know how rubbish I am at either reading things or watching things. I just never get around to it. I watched the Mardi Fish documentary on Netflix. Oh, nice. Have you seen it? I have, yeah. Did you enjoy it? I, I loved it. I, mm. thought, I, thought it. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was so, so good. And it sort of left me thinking, again, it, it's a world that's there and I know absolutely nothing about. And so sort of all came to a head in 2012. 2015, he makes his comeback and releases the article about everything he had gone through. And I was just, then I was trying to work out, you know, me and numbers is not very good. So he did that in 2015. How old were you in 2015? Oh, 2015. Um, I would have been 24, 25. So you were, you'd come through all the struggles you'd had come mm. out the other side, walked away from tennis. But when you looked at something like Marty Fish and him coming out with that, was that a, was that a good moment that people were talking about? Because I imagine when you were going through everything, it was a completely different landscape, right? Yes, amazing, because it wasn't even that long ago. And it was just absolutely... A, a, just a, a, We were still in the situation where people thought that having 
um, you know, so any sort of mental health issues meant that you were weak and that as an athlete you couldn't you couldn't compete, which was, you know, I mean, I could have told you at the time that was total nonsense. Um, so, yeah, I remember um, uh, I when I stopped playing, uh, which I think was in 2011, mm-hmm. um, I did, a, a, did an interview, did an article about why I stopped playing and about the mental health issues that I'd been through. And at the time, there was only one other athlete who had talked about it, which was Marcus Treskothic. Um, and for those of you who don't know, he's a he was an England cricket, an England cricketer, and uh, he had talked about depression and stuff. And he'd stopped playing internationally, I believe, at that time. So he'd stopped yep. playing for England because of that. Um, and in you know, cricket in, in a slightly different way to tennis, it's a long time on the road. Um, you know, much longer periods of time. They pretty much spent half the year away, half the year back, type thing sometimes longer. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he was pretty much the only one. Um, and you know, obviously I was not at the same sort of level as him. And then I think Kelly Holmes started talking about her issues that she'd had with self-harming when she'd been injured. Um, but it was really, really unusual. Um, and then it's amazing. I mean, that was only 10 years ago. What made you want to do that piece? And when you did that piece, was it, was a did you feel some kind of release that you'd spoken about it and it was out there? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was difficult because, um, you know, at the time, as I say, there were, it was just sort of starting to rumble that mental health maybe didn't mean that you were insane um, and that you were sort of a normal person. Um, and, yeah, I, I look back on it now and I wish I'd just said it from the start. I wish I just said in sort of my first Wimbledon press conference, this is what I'm dealing with. The problem is is that obviously it would blow up into a big thing. Um, I think now it probably wouldn't so much. I I don't think it would be. But back then it would have been huge. But do you have to also do it at a time when you're strong strong enough to deal with it? You see what I mean? So if you just said it in that press conference, if you said it when you were going through it, maybe you wouldn't have been strong enough to deal with it. Whereas afterwards, if you sort of released it in your own time, you're in a place where you could deal with any fallout issues, questions from it. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, Yeah, it was sort of difficult, really. I mean, I had to do it after I once I had said that I was stopping. But once I decided to stop, I'd sort of made peace with the whole thing anyway. So I, I sort of was in a better place with it all. It had been yeah. a, quite a long time coming for me. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of had to do something reasonably publicly. Back then, social media wasn't really a big thing. I mean, it it was there, but it wasn't what it is now. So, it, it, um, you know, making an announcement on social media wasn't how it was done at all. Um, and so, yeah, I, I did a an interview. Um and yeah it was difficult because I sort of felt quite pushed into doing it um but I felt like I had to do it I didn't really want to do it okay um did anyone tell you not to do it no um I don't think anyone anyone... think it would be negative rather than a positive because again at the time it wasn't something that was widely talked about so was anyone saying actually I don't think this would be good if you said that no, I think the concern was, and this is sort of fair enough at the time, that people who I had been involved with, they, I think they were possibly a little bit more concerned about themselves in that they would look really bad, that they hadn't 
dealt with it in the right way and at the time you know I never I didn't blame anyone and I I I never have because as you say at at the time no one had any sort of education around it now it is definitely unacceptable if people don't deal with this stuff they don't take you seriously they don't you know try and work with it if they just disregard you then obviously that is a that is really poor but at the time I didn't think it was poor it was just sort of a shame that I was just a little bit ahead of of the education and the the knowledge of, of it coming uh, coming in and, and and so it became very difficult because I sort of had to fight the battle on my own um and as I say yeah I think people were just concerned that it would make them look like they just sort of left me to it and the fact was is that they had just left me to it but that's sort of what you did then as I say I have no absolutely no negative feeling towards those people because of it because it was they didn't know what to do they were just sort of like okay well you sort yourself out and once you're sorted then come back and we'll crack on um but I also had some fantastic people around as well it's not everybody uh in there together uh, and people that really tried and made loads of mistakes because again no one knew what they were doing (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing um so yeah it was it was slightly difficult um at the time and I found it difficult to be honest in the interview because I was concerned about throwing people under the bus unnecessarily I didn't want to do that um and uh yeah you know it's amazing isn't it the amount of times we look at things and we think oh it was a different time it was only 10 years ago but my word was it a different time it's extraordinary crazy isn't it and when you stepped away from tennis you were you were at a good place in terms of you were top 200 when you stepped away is that right yeah I was at my highest ranking yeah because that's that's the other thing it's interesting isn't it so I watched this Marty Fish documentary and that was the other thing that came out that he was the US number one he was the best male player in the US at that time, he was, he just made it to the tour finals. You know, everything that he'd ever dreamed of was coming true. And that's when it hit him, the anxiety that, that built up. And, and there'll be, he said, there'll be a lot of people thinking, well, how can this be happening? Because you've achieved sort of, you're on the way to achieving everything you ever wanted to achieve. You put everything into this, but it was the anxiety, the pressure that started to overwhelm him to the point when he withdrew from that match with Roger Federer at the US Open. And he said, I pretty much stayed in my house the next two years before I started to be able to deal with it that I wanted to talk about it and and it was I, I found it I found it fascinating and then it was really on my run the next day I was just sort of thinking about it because again it's an area I don't really know much about and then I was just thinking about when we've talked about it with you before and I remember you saying that you were at your highest ever ranking you know, and you stepped away and there were some people thinking well why would you step away from a career like this at a time like this and I just thought it was it's fascinating how things have changed and the statement from Bianca Andreescu I'm not putting that in the same box but just the fact that she's saying look mentally things mean to and she's looking after herself mentally because there were people saying you're gonna miss the Australian Open but she's saying you know what a lot of things gone on a lot of things have been stressful I'm just taking time for myself and I think I think it's really nice now that statements like that can come out and everyone's like Great. Okay. We'll see you when you're back rather than people going, what on earth is she doing? It just shows how much things have changed. Well, yeah. Oh, I I totally agree. And and you saying that, oh, Andrescu's not in the same box. The reason she's not in the same box is because she's able to look after herself. You know, for me, taking a break to look after your mental health or whatever it was, that wasn't an option. So you just keep going like Mardi Fish until it just all falls apart because there was no, it wasn't acceptable. It it wasn't even a consideration to to do something like that. I think one person may have suggested it to me. They were like, oh, maybe you should take a year off. And I was like, 
you're you're literally just saying to me that I just ruined my career like what are you what are you doing and part of the big issue for me um was that again because of the lack of education at the time and I think still even now people wouldn't really understand it um is that how my mental health was didn't reflect my results it was pretty much the opposite the better I was doing, the more my mental health was suffering. And um, and, and that was very difficult See, I think for people that's to get incredible. their head around. Yeah, I think that's fascinating because from the outside, I'm thinking, I don't understand that because, so in Marty Fisher's case, he's achieving everything he ever wanted to achieve. But as you say, he was spiralling out of control off the court. And then that safe space, I don't know if this felt the same for you, his safe space was the tennis court. And eventually when it encroached on his safe space on the tennis court, that's when... Every, that was almost like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, that was sort of quite similar to me. Um, because I, I sort of had, you know, I had, uh, I call them sort of like depressions, plural. I had periods of time where I was depressed. That could be months, it could be weeks, you know, or, or whatever. Um, but being but being able to play, I was able to switch something and, and just play. Um, and actually you know and the, i think the reason i i would play so well in in those moments was because i sort of you know when you're depressed you're pretty indifferent to stuff you just don't care about stuff as much it's not necessarily about feeling sad all the time you just do or i didn't anyway i don't know about other people but i just did not i just wasn't bothered um and it just sort of takes the emotion out of it so you just go play and then you're like oh i, I remember just the amount of times i go oh i won <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I wasn't even trying. I was just sort of playing and I was just trying to do this, like just focusing on tennis. You know, I love playing tennis and improving and trying to work on, you know, taking the ball down the line, whatever it was. And um, yes, yeah, so you sort of take that out of it. But then I remember distinctly when I played at the US Open, uh, I was in qualifying and uh, I remember I played against Julia Cohen um the american somebody that i'd played a lot against before i believe i had a really good record against her i thought this is such a great draw i was playing well coming into it and it was the first time that i i didn't care so much that i actually couldn't even really function like i could not i just couldn't even get my legs moving i couldn't follow the score i didn't like i, I remember i kept going to serve and they were like oh it's game like the umpire kept having to remind me i mean i lost like two and two it was it was absolutely a performance destroyed by the the depression that i was experiencing um and that was the first time that that happened and it really knocked knocked it out of me because it was like oh wow okay and it was sort of a similar thing of like well this is now pretty bad um because you know you, you, I, I suppose I didn't care that much that I was feeling pretty rubbish off the court so um yeah that was uh that was really strange it, it because the indifference had just got so much that I just did not care at all um and I, I couldn't I couldn't get myself to concentrate I couldn't get myself to care I, I felt completely checked out completely checked out as I, say, I lost the score so many times uh walked to the wrong end all of it it was it was just absolutely awful um and it was yeah and then I, I think I had probably a couple a couple more performances like that before I was like okay this is this is done here oh so that was the start of it that match was the start of of you realizing that there was there was something realizing that there was something wrong or that you knew there was something or there was just something a lot bigger that wasn't going to go away anytime soon well I think it was realizing that tennis wasn't going to resolve it um and also you know one thing as i was saying that the better i was doing the worse i was feeling 
you know, also I'm quite proud of the fact that I managed to have such self-awareness at such a young age to be like, well, that's not worth it. You know, if, yeah. if, you know, if I just, you know, if I just keep doing well, if I, okay, if I get to the top hundred, the top 50, am I just going to get worse and worse? Like that's just doesn't seem, that doesn't seem like the, the a sustainable life to live it's, really. It's terrifying. It's a terrifying thought. You know, to to think that the more successful you are and the higher you would go, the, the worse it could become. I mean, that's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, and then you get that's what anxiety you're about for. you get anxiety about winning and doing well, and then you know that all of all, everything that comes with winning and all sorts. So yeah, it, I think the, the thing that was so difficult was because the stereotypical um, perspective or of depression at the time was one thing. Um, and it was that you were really sad and that you sat in the corner of your room and you listened to sad music and you cried randomly yeah. Um, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it just wasn't the case at all. Like, you know, it just wasn't it wasn't the case. Everything was sort of a bit opposite to what people would assume. So it was very difficult for people because I was saying to them, you know, look, I'm struggling. And they're like, you just won the tournament. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But I'm struggling. And then they'd be like, look, look, just play the next one. You know, you're playing really well. Let's see what happens. So I'd go to the next one and I'd do really well, make the final or something like that. And I'd come back and they'd be like, see, it's fine. And I'd be like, no, no, see, I'm still not fine. But um, you can sort of see from an outside point of view with little understanding why they couldn't they couldn't understand could they because 100%. everything about was you, you know you're working with a tennis player so your end game is to, is to win and do well and you're winning and doing well and you're saying no I'm not and they're going well you are because you just won a trophy so god that a very difficult position I think for all concerned to be in at that time yeah and that's why you know I don't hold any bad feeling towards any, anyone I mean also you know I'm my own responsibility even when I'm young you know I'm, I was an adult um, but yeah, it was it was very difficult from from the very beginning, and um, but then also you question yourself because you're sitting there going, well, maybe I am just, you know, maybe I do just need to shut up and get on with it, or you know, whatever it may be. So it's um yeah, it, it it it's it's definitely complex and it's different for everybody. You know, there were lots of stuff with that Mardi was talking about that didn't really register with me. I didn't have to deal with that sort of thing, but you know, we live different lives. Um, but definitely, I agree. The, the that realization when it sort of hit the court, and you were like, "Oh, okay, no, this is now on the court. This is a big issue." Um, and uh, yeah, that definitely changed things. Now I'm sure everyone has seen it because I'm always the last to see everything. <laughs> and it only came about because I went into the boys. They've got like a playroom. Well, actually, it's our it's our sitting room, but it's kind of turned into a playroom. And it was a disaster zone. Oh, there was stuff everywhere. Oh God! And there was like even like. I don't know, food bit. Oh, it was just awful. So I thought, okay, I've got like an hour. I'm going to tidy it. And I thought, oh, I'll just put the TV on. So, and I thought, oh, I really wonder what happened. So on went the documentary. I didn't do any tidying up because I was just engrossed. I was just sat watching, surrounded by this mess. And then just before the end, the madness returned. The boys came home. They were, hey, you're in our room, way. And so I finally did get to see the end later that night. I didn't tidy the room, still haven't. But um, yeah, so <laughs> if there's anyone out there who hasn't seen it, do. I'm sure you all have because it was, no, it was, it was absolutely incredible, I have to say. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Other news. Uh, the Davis Cup is finally finished. Uh, hey! <laughs> <laughs> it, felt, it felt like it went on for an awful and you know it's released I know you're working on it but it I agreed with there was a couple of people on social media that said I'm really sad to say that I didn't see any of it and and I didn't this year and I don't know whether it's because it was spread out everywhere I don't know if personally it was the timing and I was just at home busy with other stuff but yeah I just yeah I didn't get well I do know that the Russian Tennis Federation as we are calling them uh, are the world champions of both the men's and the women's so congratulations to them and then you think well things will quieten down a bit and then Roland Garros go and decide that they're going to have a new tournament director so Guy Forget has stepped down and Amelie Moresmo is the new tournament director fantastic I mean, they've got plenty to choose from, I think, but uh, a fairly obvious choice in, in Amelie. I think absolutely fantastic. Everybody's, I'm sure, delighted. You know, she has huge respect from everyone in, in the tennis world. So, yeah, can't wait to see what um, what she brings to, to the tournament. The first female tournament director of Roland Garros, now alongside Stacey Allister, the US Open. So so two of the four. So that's that's great. And yeah, it's going to be wonderful to see what she brings. Look, if she brings as much drive and determination as she did to her career, it's going to be fascinating to see what, what develops there. Because things just don't stop. Oh, you know what I did this week? Was it this week? Last week? I don't mm. know if they have this in other countries. Do they have pantomime? Is that a worldwide thing or is that a British thing? Uh, it's quite British, I think. Is it? I believe, it? yeah. And it's amazing. How are, we, how are we describing pantomime for people who don't know pantomime? <laughs> Panto. I'm sure people have heard of it. They just don't really have it. It's, what is it? It's like, so I went to see Jack and the Beanstalk. He's Everyone behind knows. you. Yeah, no, he isn't. And then yeah. throwing things at the audience. And there's a pantomime dame. Yeah. It's a man dressed up as a woman. Yeah. And there are sweets thrown to the audience and water thrown. And Basil Brush. Now, this must be quite niche. Do you you had Basil, Basil Brush? Brush? Wow. Basil Brush was the, was the mayor in Jack and the Beanstalk. Wow. Slightly disconcerting, though. Basil, okay, Basil Brush is a, is a fox and Basil Brush is a puppet. And yeah. he had a daughter called Jill, who was a five foot six inch human with long dark hair and I found that a bit weird I I felt for some of the children in the audience a a person like you and I going over to a fox saying hello daddy was a little bit confusing yeah I know you sort of got to go with it with panto it it is weird and wonderful and uh, yeah it's just it's very camp it's very British it's sort of slapstick funny type thing is that correct yeah they did well there was aimed at children but then with that sort of undercurrent for the parents to enjoy wonderfully we were heavy on the adult undercurrent so loads good, of jokes good. that the <laughs> parents would understand loads of sort of jokes that the children were like what hey what but then enough stuff that every time the children started wriggling and there's a lot of children and a lot of wriggling that they brought them back in again so oh, if if it is a british thing if you're ever over here visiting when travel restrictions allow and it's panto season which is christmas time then yeah. go and see it. Although before I had children, I'd rather have stuck pins in my eyes, if I'm honest. But, <laughs> uh, but I quite, I quite enjoyed it. So I just want to say that the the panto, the panto was good, and also was very successful at the school tombola. Oh, what did you win? Yeah, bottle one, of champagne. Well, <laughs> one the boys because they t- won two bottles of prosecco 
Oh. And and they won the bottle of wine that we donated. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, did you win the champagne that you ended up bringing? <laughs> so I had this bag full of bottles. It was like a weapon at this fair because every time I swung round, I've got this sort of clanking of bottles in my bag. And I think people were just kind of looking. I also won a prize in the raffle. So the Christmas fair was good. It raised a really nice amount of money. We've got the nativity next week. So we're full on Christmassy. Well, yes. still... Well, still having to keep an eye on the tennis because... Yeah, and there has been um, development in the tennis because the ITF have announced that they have pulled out of China for their professional events in 2022. So that is no WTA events, no ITF events. And there are a lot more ITF events uh, than there were WTA events. So ITF will be the um, sort of step down in professional tennis. So the challenges that sort of... Well, yeah, ATP challenges are run by ATP, but if you know what I mean. So the only organisation left is the ATP. They've yet to make a decision. One assumes they will follow suit. Seems pretty tough not to. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was interesting because the ITF was sort of quite quiet. They were quite reserved in, in their... I mean, they supported the WTA for sure, but they were quite cautious. But then obviously something's happened that's made them decide this is not resolvable and we're not going to be operating in China for, for 2022. That includes Hong Kong as well, um, as Hong Kong's now part of China. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, be interesting. And the IOC... And the IOC sort of saying, well, you know, we did those calls, so not that we can guarantee that she's fine. You're like, okay. Mm. <laughs> it's so like it's... something's clearly happened. Some sort of evidence. Like they, they must have figured out something. Yeah. Because the ITF are not going out of there just to support the WTA. They're, you know, they're, I think, it, you know, we have three separate entities running running tennis. So something uh, I believe must have must have come to light, um, and they've just gone right. Enough is enough. You know, well, or, initially... or they're just refusing to cooperate, or whatever it is, or the IOC going, oh, actually, we're not sure so much. I, I don't know all sorts. Nicola Mahu has invited her to come and uh, give out the trophy at his uh, women's event, the one two five event. Um, great, I think, great just to keep the, the the topic going, to keep the news sort of uh, focused on her. Um, I'm sure she'll just he'll just get a polite letter back from her saying. Uh, no, thank you, but no. Um, but yeah, I think still still good. So it's a fascinating step for the ITF to, to do that sort of out of nowhere. And also the statement that they wrote, because we, we uh, were able to see what they wrote to their players as, and their explanations. And uh, yeah, it just seems like people are back to not being convinced that she's safe. You know, we sort of had a period of time yeah. where we were like, okay, she's safe and well. But is she free? Are these investigations going to be, are these allegations going to be investigated? No, the answer is no. Um, but then now it just feels like the ITF were questioning her safety again. And yeah, yeah. And then the IOC with what they've said, it just suddenly becomes, okay, well, what is happening? Because initially the, the ITF were like, no, we're going to carry on. We're not going to punish billions of, of people. We're going to stay in there. Then changing their stance and, and the tournament's not happening, as you say, and, and the IOC now just sort of reining back a little bit. And it's just, there's, yeah, as you say, something must have come to light, something must have happened, or maybe something hasn't happened in the sense that the IOC said, yeah, we're having we're having lunch together in January. Maybe suddenly they've been told, oh, you know, that now won't happen. But I don't know what it could be, but I think you're right. I think the key thing is, is 
to keep talking about it is to keep mm. is to keep the conversation going because it it, it it cannot disappear. Are they going to investigate it in China? No, I think we both said that from the start. And China are hoping, China are probably thinking, fine, don't come here. We'll just deal with it. Just dis- want the us ITS to disappear. thing is so interesting because I think the fact that they've jumped before the ATP is not the order I would have had it before because you know the ATP runs men's tennis. And they have a responsibility to the ATP players, um, including the the challengers. WTA do the same thing for women's tennis. They have their players that they look after, they put on their tournaments. The ITF is different. The ITF sort of has a responsibility for tennis globally. Um, And they have made big pushes over recent years in terms of getting tournaments in Africa, getting tournaments in the Middle East, in all these different places. We talked about the the junior ITF event in Guam, Chuck E. Cheese's grade five (laughs) ITF in Guam, but in all these places. But that is one of the big things that the ITF does. Of course, they have the slams and they have Davis Cup. But in terms of the globalization of tennis... Is that a thing? I don't know. Um, but, you know, making it accessible, making it so that you can be from all these different countries. We talked about being from Algeria and, and all these places that you can become a professional tennis player. That very much is the ITF's remit above the WTA and ATPs, very much supported by the ATP and WTA. Mm. But it, it's, yeah, I think for me on the outside, I, it felt like it would have been harder for the ITF to break this link than it would be for the ATP and WTA. So that's why I'm just sort of surprised that the ITF yeah. have gone before the ATP. I would have thought yeah. they would have been last and I would have understood that because they're a little bit more like the IOC. Well, that's maybe not not very fair. But in terms of their remit, you know, you know they do operate in all of these different these different countries you know the wta doesn't have tournaments in algeria the wta you know, they don't have a tournament in guam and wherever so yeah but um i'll be fascinated to learn what the change has been or whether it is as you say just the continuation of radio silence and they just said enough is enough it is fascinating but again i think if we can try to keep talking about it not that you and i talk about it will make a, a jot of difference but i think it's just important that it, it's still being discussed and it, it's still out there and and we just have to watch and see. But as you say, from pod to pod, there is a development. So you never know what might come to light next week. As we get closer to Christmas, still a lot Yay. to get done. And in between now and next week, cold showers. So cold remember, showers. If anyone wants it. to do the tennis challenge with us, it's shower at the end of it, freezing cold water, spelling out Ingrid. <laughs> yeah. Sounds so random. <laughs> and if anybody wants to give me tips on on doing cold showers, that'd be great. I'm going to well, do how, that first mean, thing. What do you morning. mean tips? You just put it on cold. How can you have a, how can you have a tip to do a cold shower? Well, you, a tip? you know, do you do it in the morning or the evening? I think evening. Oh, morning be because morning. no morning because it's metabolism. It's like people who drink hot water and lemon to kickstart your metabolism. You should exercise right. in the morning rather than the evening. So I think okay, first it's got to be the morning. I, I mean, to be honest, can I wear a wetsuit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a great story about a wetsuit, right? Oh, come on, you've got to listen to this. So um, I've sort of given it away, but basically when I was training as a junior...